I want your running experience to be positive, even if it's hard. Like just because it's hard doesn't mean that it has to be a negative experience. I want you to come back and want to do it again. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 53. Today, I welcome a very special guest. Although all of my guests are special, I appreciate this special guest for taking time out of her hectic schedule. Today, I welcome Myrna Valerio to the show. She is a native of Brooklyn, New York. She is a marathoner ultramarathoner, now cyclist and skier. She is an author, a blogger. When she was a child, she discovered her love for the outdoors while playing with her cousins. In high school, she signed up to play field hockey, and that is where she developed her love of running. She continued running until this day. She also is a talented singer. She attended the Juilliard School during the weekends and actually attended Oberlin Conservatory of Music in Ohio for college, where she studied Spanish language as well as vocal performance. She worked as a high school Spanish teacher before her running career took off. Myrna experienced a health crisis in her early 30s and began exercising more regularly. She soon began running 5Ks, half marathons, marathon, and progress to ultramarathons. She loves ultramarathons. It is her favorite, and she particularly loves trail running. She has completed 11 marathons and 14 ultramarathons. She prefers trail running because it forces her to be more present in her mind and body while also connecting with nature. In 2012, she started a blog called Fat Girl Running. Her blog became viral. In 2017, she turned her memoir into a book. Murner has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Runner's World, been on NBC Nightly News, CNN, the CW Network. She also has a um, REI produced documentary called The Murnovator. Her writing has been featured in Women's Running Magazine, Self Magazine Online, Outside Online, and Runner's World. In 2018, she was chosen as the National Geographic Adventurer of the Year. Please welcome Myrna Valerio to the show. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So we'll just start with a few questions. When did you start running? I started running back in 1989 when I was in high school, actually. I was a ninth grader at a brand new school in Westchester County, New York. And I had decided that I really wanted to play sports because I had never played a sport before. I'd never like been on a team or anything. And so I went out for the field hockey team. And that first day of 
field hockey practice and like doing all these drills and warm ups. You had to do a warm up of a mile, which I, you know, I had no reference point for. <laughs> and so it just felt like a very long time to be running uh, and very far. And then we had to do a timed mile after that. And then we had two and a half hours of practice, you know, running up and down the field. I didn't have the right clothes on. Uh, we were you know, dealing with field hockey stick. I had a mouth guard and then guards. So I had all this like new stuff on and having to run up and down the field and doing what we used to call suicides. Now they're called line drills. Thank goodness. Normally people do those on like indoors, like at bat on basketball courts, which are a lot shorter. So yeah, we had to do all of that. And you know, even though it was very, very difficult and I, I didn't know what I was doing and the, uh, the coach comes up to me and says, hey, you know, you're doing it. This means that you're, you want to be here. You're still working hard. So great. Keep it up. And so it was that that actually started me running. I was like, I want to, I want to be better at this. I want to be a contributing part of the team. And it's a lot of running. So I, I should probably be better at running. <laughs> and so, so I got up the next day. 1989, I was 13 years old. I hadn't yet turned 14. I started running the next day um, because I wanted to get better at that first initial mile that we did. And then I did. So I, that was the beginning of my running self back in the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s. So how did you, I guess, train on your own? So you just said, I'm going to break up this mile. Did you run the whole mile or you just say, I'm going to walk a little bit? 100% sure that I did not run the whole mile because <laughs> I wasn't able to. I think at this point, you know, because I'm running around a field, I would jog the, and I know jog is a very polarizing word. This is definitely a jog. I would jog the longs and then walk the shorts, jog the longs, walk the shorts. And sometimes I had to walk the longs <laughs> and then the shorts, what you, whatever I did to achieve a mile. So that's what I did. It wasn't like, it wasn't planned. I didn't know anything about running. Mm -hmm. I, you know, all I knew was that I needed to move my two legs. And eventually after doing that a couple of times a week, along with two and a half hours of practice, mm -hmm. five days a week and games and, and such. And then we, I also had to do PE because I had to do my PE credits and I had amazing PE teachers. I began to get more fit. I could, you know, sustain a mile, uh, do that five or six loops around the, the field, you know, without problems, you know, and I lasted through practice and I loved it. I loved being a part of the team. I loved getting out there and being on grass every day, being outside, even when it was cold or rainy. It was very, there. you know, there's certain inflection points in my life that really changed the trajectory of what my life would be. That very first day in field hockey was one of them. So what made you decide to do field hockey versus another sport? Well, you know, I wasn't really interested in any other sport. I had seen field hockey I, as I visited boarding schools when I was applying to boarding schools, because that's where I went. I went to a, a boarding school in, uh, in New York State. I was always intrigued by this game. I was like, well, it's not ice hockey. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know anything about it. That's kind of, I kind of jump into things that I don't know a whole lot about. And just because I'm curious. And I start to love them. That first day at school, I looked, I looked at over at the soccer field, and those girls looked like they were dying. <laughs> I want to do that. I didn't want to be inside. I wasn't interested in volleyball. I didn't want to do community service. I didn't want to do theater. At that point, I really just wanted to play a sport, and that was the one that was available. It was right in front of me. The field was right there, and I said, "Those girls look like they're having fun because they were just like 
standing around talking to each other. And I'm like, yeah, that looks like the sport I want to do. <laughs> and so I go there, little did I know they hadn't started yet. And so that's what kind of drew me to that sport. It was, you know, it was out of curiosity. And I ended up, you know, playing it throughout high school. Do you still play every now and then? No, I don't. You know, I haven't touched a field hockey stick since senior year in high school. I wanted to then play in college. My college was a D3 school. Uh, I would have gotten on the team, but I was also, while I was in college, I, I, I did a double degree. So I was a musician as well as a, just a regular college student. I was dissuaded from playing sports because I was supposed to be in the practice room. That was my job. I ended up not playing. You know, I'm still kind of mad at. <laughs> so when you were in college, did you continue to run? I did. You know, I... I was very active in college, even though I wasn't, I didn't play a sport, play a sport officially. I ran yeah, a couple of times a week and it was very short. Like we didn't have Garmin's or Cintos or yeah. anything like that. I had no clue how much I was running, but I would just like do a lap or two on campus and do the fitness trail. I would swim. I rode several different bikes. I had a different bike every year because you can even buy a bike for $10 back then. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I did lots of stuff just to kind of keep myself moving because I, I knew it, it always made me feel better. I would I'd wake up really early in the morning and meet a friend, a good friend of mine to go swimming. So you knew how to swim, unlike a lot of African-Americans don't know how to swim. Yeah, I know, which is why my, my kid knew how to swim as soon as he was born. <laughs> we didn't want to be a statistic. So I read that you love the outdoors and running because it helps you connect with nature. And what do you mean by that? Um, you know, we are nature. We are part of nature. And we very often forget that. We forget that that we are animals, too. We need the sun to thrive. We need rain to thrive. We need oxygen-filled air to thrive. Many of us are stuck inside all day, right? We go, out, we go outside. And maybe if you have kids, you go pick them up. I was going to say, you go get the paper. Nobody gets the paper from outside anymore. <laughs> it just opened your computer. You go to the store, whatever. Um, and we're, you know, we become these like indoor animals. And that has, is not great for our health, physical health or our mental health. And, um, you know, once I'm outside, I'm like, I, this, is, this is where I belong. This is where humans belong. This is what we were built for. I feel very connected to nature. Like if, if I'm on a trail and there are trees surrounding me, I just feel an, a very intrinsic connection with the life that the tree gives. Like I feel like outdoors gives us much more than we give it. <laughs> Today I went skiing. Like there's such a grandeur uh, about mountains and just the the, the bigness <laughs> of them uh, that makes us feel small, you know, not in a bad way, in a, in a way that we um, experience on wonder. So I can go on and on about that because that's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, but we need nature because we are nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you prefer trail running over road running? Why? Yes. <laughs> um, there was a little bit of accusation in your voice. No, no, no. It's, I, I'm just <laughs> I was just kidding. Um, not really though. Um, <laughs> I, I love trail running. I mean, like, you know, again, it gets me outside on a trail. I, from a very early age was, um, very attracted to just being outside. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, Nueva York. I 
was always outside. If I, you know, if, if we weren't sitting on a stoop, we were running up and down the block or we were hopping from park to park. You know, everybody thinks that Brooklyn is just a big cement jungle, but there's so many parks and there's so many trees and there's a lot of dirt and grass. Maybe not on the streets, but like you got to go to a park for that. And so we spent a lot of time, my brothers and sister and then all of my cousins, because we lived in the same building, we would just travel in this huge throng of kids and we would like hit the parks and be in the parks for hours. And so I essentially grew up outside, okay. right? Especially in the summertime, we would just like, our parents would be like, get out. <laughs> you cannot stay in the house all day. Get out. Don't come back in here unless you have to pee. If you can find somewhere else to do that, even better. So, <laughs> yeah. And so we just explore. We'd be like walking the streets of Brooklyn, you know, going to the pool, Marcy pool over here um, by the Marcy projects. We would go to the park around the corner. We would go to free lunch because we were all poor. So we all got free lunch <laughs> during the summer. And it was just this thing that we did. And it was amazing. It was incredible. We would come out, we would come back home smelling like the out, outside, go, you know, go take a shower, you know, have dinner and then go to bed and then do it all over again. And so that's how I grew up. And it's, that is very attractive to me. I can't like on the days that I have to stay inside, I get very antsy and very anxious. Like I have to like move around and, you know, some days I need to stay inside just to kind of chill. But, um, but those days are few and far between. Wonderful. See, I I do like trail running, but I'm clumsy. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be more, I guess, mindful when you're in the trail versus like when I'm on the road, I can kind of zone out. Mm -hmm. Although um, I sometimes still get into trouble with sidewalks uneven and, and fall. So trail running is like I have to be more, I guess, in tune with everything going on. So sometimes I like to tune out. So, and then I used to be once upon a time ago before all my injuries, like so concerned about my speed. So mm-hmm. in trail running is it's slower than say road running. I don't care about that anymore, but this is once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's true. Right? It's, it's, it's a different kind of beast because you have to worry about roots, tripping over roots and, and watching out for low hanging branches and, inclines and declines and you know running on a very very cambered surface and turns and like you know some people are worried about animals yeah like there are so many things to think about and like feeling your body in space you know the constant changing of the surface Mm -hmm. and it it really does keep you very very mindful and aware every single second because it's the the second you lose concentration focus you're gonna trip Mm mm-hmm yeah, but you can't think about anything else unless like it's a trail that you've been on many, 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 many times. You still have to pay attention uh, and you still have to pay attention when you're road running, too. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a different kind of running yeah. different kind of experience, you know, depending on where you are. You got to worry about cars. You got to be really aware of that. You, again, worrying about people is <laughs> another thing sidewalk cracks and stuff because you know that falling on that stuff can be even more painful than <laughs> like mm-hmm. falling on a, a dirt path. Yeah. So tell me, how many half marathons have you run? I don't know. I stopped counting after 17. Okay. But, you know, a number of them. You know, I'm not one of those people that, you know, does uh, a race every weekend or like does like the 50. You know, I'm going to do a 50. I'm going to do 50 half marathons because I don't really care. I'll do a race that appeases, appeases me and that 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 appeals to me that, you know, I can get something out of in terms of the experience. 
Definitely so more than 17, but I don't know the exact number. What about marathons? Do you? Um... Marathons, I do count. <laughs> okay. So I've done 11 marathons and my last one was the LA Marathon in 2020, right before lockdown. Then the injuries just came mm-hmm. and came and came. <laughs> I know about those. I know so much about those. You do ultras as well. I do. So I've done 14 of those. So you, I uh, guess you prefer ultras over. I do. Well, because most ultras are not on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I recover from them much more quickly than I do with road marathons. You know, with road marathons, I have a lot of inflammation. Although, I mean, I love them. I love, I love any kind of marathon. But uh, I, yeah, I definitely, it, it, t- it takes me a longer time to recover from road marathons and from ultras, even though yeah. ultras are longer distances. Well, because, you know, you're using... The body in all planes, you're using many more muscles and you have to, you know, you have to move in different directions, right? My, my favorite distance is 50K. Okay. Because it's, you know, it's just over a marathon, not just over. Well, yeah. I mean, compared to a 50 mile. Five miles, right. <laughs> five miles. <laughs> right. And, you know, I haven't actually uh, officially completed a 50 miler. I've done a hundred K, which is more than 50 miles, but I haven't done any 50 milers. Okay. But a hundred K, that's impressive. <laughs> me a very long time <laughs> to do that. It was so long. <laughs> How long did it take you to do the 100 25 hours, 59 minutes and 55 seconds out in the desert. It was the Havelina 100, 100K mm-hmm. in Fountain Hills, Arizona in the McDowell Sonoran Preserve. And it's four loops of by around 16 and a half miles. And... Uh, my first two loops were amazing. I, I felt mm-hmm. so good. It was 50K. I was like, I got this. And as soon as I started on my third loop, I was like, I don't have this. Because, <laughs> you know, because I hadn't done anything over, I hadn't done anything over 35 miles. Mm-hmm. And so um, so that was a lesson. It was, and that third loop was very, it, the, the sun was going down. And, you know, intellectually, I knew that it got cold in the desert, but like, I wasn't prepared for the cold in the desert. Mm-hmm. And then my lamp went out. And so we're, you know, we're running. So I'm freaking out. I, I hallucinated. Like, oh, it's a lot. 30 something hours. And so that third loop was really hard. And I bonked. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. And, mm-hmm. and after uh, I visited one of the aid stations and they, they really took care of me. They had me like put my feet up by the fire. They fed me the soup and broth and ginger for my tummy. And then I, and then it was like a rebirth. <laughs> And then I was, I finished that loop and then I went out for my fourth loop, which was, which was difficult, but I knew that I could do it. And it was, it was glorious. And it was a sun. I had started running when the sun was just coming up and I was finishing as the sun came up. And it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. I mean, I was hungry for a month. (laughs) A month. I, it's so funny. Cause you know, I'm not into weight loss or anything like it. I'm, you know, intentional weight loss or diet culture or anything. But the funny thing was like, after that race, I couldn't keep weight on mm-hmm. no matter what I ate my body. I was literally hungry for like three and a half weeks. I was so hungry all the time. And then I couldn't drink enough water, but I wasn't like tired. My body felt good after this, like being awake and and moving for 25 hours 59 minutes 55 seconds it was it was very interesting to see how the body works and and refuels itself and that was a it was a big experiment for me 
Interesting. That was on my list. Um, I think I was supposed to do a 50K in D.C. when I lived in Philly, but I think I got injured or something, so I had to cancel it because I've had so many injuries over the years. So, But it's still, I still want to do an ultra. I don't know, but I want it to be a road race now. You want it to be a road race? Well, there's there's the one in Central Park. There's the 60K. Okay. Um, I've done that. That's I really like that. It's loops. I like running at Central Park. At least you I used to. Zone. You can zone out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first loop is five miles, and then all of the other loops, the, the next nine loops are four miles. And it's like, and you get to know the people at the aid stations, and you really don't have to think. And it's like, and people are cheering you on, and it's in the, you know, it's in the park. It's, you know, that was, that was one of my, the highlights, I think, of, was it 2018 or 2019? I don't remember, but just like such a cool thing to do. Okay. Add to my list when I can really run again. I'm recovering from injuries, so. <laughs> Welcome to the club. So what's on your bucket list as far as running? Do you have one? You know, a lot of the things that were on my bucket list, I've been able to do. <laughs> um, I know, right? It's it's so cool. Um, well, I was supposed to do UTMB, the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Okay. Well, that sounds wonderful. And the bed is pretty. Yeah. I was supposed to do it. I've signed up for two years in a row. And the first year was obviously canceled because of COVID. And then, then last year had been really unable to train as much as I, or to train for the distance because I was still recovering from meniscus surgery. Um, and I didn't realize how long it took to recover from certain, like I, you know, like I was all healed and everything, but just like getting the body back in working mm -hmm. order so yeah. long. And I was just trying to be smart about it. And then I had plantar fasciitis. Like it really was awful. That was more demoralizing than having a knee injury. What, you know, with the feet, it's like your entire body hurts. <laughs> yeah. I had it for two and a half years. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, I could talk about this for hours, but I won't. Yeah. I'm just so glad that I did get a, I did get a steroid shot, but I had started PT before then. Uh, and then really try to do a lot of strengthening stuff and started on supplements and like, you know, finally, <laughs> I signed up for my first race since 2020 and I got another one on the horizon. So like, and I'm, but I'm taking it slow. Like I'm not doing any ultras this year. I'm not doing any marathons this year. Everything's mm -hmm. going to be under 25 K. So what do you, what's your next race or which race did you sign up for? I'm working on working with Blue Ridge marathon people to do their half Blue Ridge half marathon down in Roanoke, Virginia, and to do some speaking there as well. And then I signed up for the Finger Lakes fifties, 25 K. I was really tempted. I was really tempted to go out and sign up for the 50K, but I was like, I have to be smart. It's one loop. It's a, it's a long day, even that one loop. But then, you know, then it's over. Then I don't have to go out for another loop. <laughs> so one and done. <laughs> it's a camping race. So you camp out the night before, which is one of my favorite aspects of it. And I always bring my mom. Oh, cool. She loves it. And then there's like a big barbecue at the end. And, you know, and then we get to just hang out and be outside. You know, and then have the best sleep of your life in the tent after moving for a couple of hours because it's dark. There's no noise. The air is fresh. I mean, it's amazing. Those are those are the things on my docket. And then I'm going to do some some uh, bike races as well. What kind of bike races? I like to bike too. All gravel races. I've got one here in Vermont. It's called Rooted. So they it's a 
48 miles. So I'm a little bit scared of, of that, but, <laughs> and that's their, their shorter race. The, the hills here. Yeah. The mountains. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I've moved here for the mountains. <laughs> I don't regret it. Yeah. So there's that one. And then there's the one out in Colorado that I did uh, this past summer called Steamboat. That one, I'm just going to stick with the 37 mile. I'm not trying to be crazy. Okay. And, um, and I don't want to overtrain because I still have to run and I've got to do all this other stuff to just make sure that I can last the entire year. <laughs> yeah. And then I have one more race called uh, Rebecca's Private Idaho in Idaho in September. And that's the season. So tell me about the gravel. You gravel bike and you mountain bike. Do you road, road bike as well? No, I don't road race. That's a that's a different community, different kind of community, different kind of culture that doesn't suit me well because I'm not fast. I don't care. <laughs> and gravel takes you onto uh, less busy roads because you're on dirt roads, <laughs> mm-hmm. which just tend to be prettier and a little bit slower. And I mean, there's I mean, there's definitely an elite an elite gravel culture, but they're such nice people. They're such great people. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but it's it's definitely not the very sort of critical, body dysmorphic, mean culture uh, of road cycling. Mm-hmm. I, again, not everybody is like that. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> but it's but that's, you know that's what what kept me from you know road cycling for a long time because everyone you know there it's very like it's very bodies it's more it can be i think it depends on the group as i cycle with a lot of different groups some are more competitive some are kind of just you know we're out here to chill and have a good time so it kind of depends on but you don't know until you actually get with the group what kind of group it is because my cycling group in chicago it's mainly recreational cyclists but when i go out of town sometimes they're more competitive. So you can kind of get in where you fit in, but you really don't know until you actually. Gravel, like you already know. It's not a crapshoot about like, you know, if people are going fast, they're going fast, you know, like, you know, but it's, it's never this like, you know, maybe I'm just still so new to the sport that I need more time to develop uh, more connections with like cycling communities and stuff. But like, I, that's been my impression, <laughs> it was, but it was a very strong impression that, but I did, you know, like, you know, a lot of gravel cyclists come from the road cycling community. True. I know a lot of people because I've never, I've never done graveling and I'm scared of mountain biking because I'm scared I'm going to fall, but it seems like fun, but I've, I'm just, cause this, but I guess if you fall, it's more padded than falling. <laughs> mountain biking is something else. It's like, I don't want to, like at this point in my my sort of like biking trajectory, I, I'm like not interested in doing super gnarly stuff. I was talking about this yesterday as I re- with my uh, cycling sponsor as I was like renewing my contract with them. I was like, you know what it does though, mountain biking is that it gives you very very good skills, handling skills that translate to all kinds of cycling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until after my second sort of foray into mountain biking what mm-hmm. I'd worked with this guy out in Tahoe and I was like oh oh this makes so much sense now <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. when I'm on a gravel bike because I you know I would work on something with my my gravel coach and then it would click oh this is what this is in mountain biking and like separation of 
flag and, you know, and all that. So it's, it's really cool. Like it, it really does give you more skills and, you know, better handling technique and stuff uh, on a, you know, regular bike. Mm-hmm. That's true. I've heard from people who love mountain biking. My club, my local club has done some like demos and it's really different cycling. We'll do a, some little heels. It's mm-hmm. fun, but I just couldn't be, see myself on some real heels because I'm just scared I'll hurt myself because I'm clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> I just know. <laughs> you just like, you just got to let go and it's very scary. Been there, done that. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Tell me why you first started your your blog. My blog, whew, that I don't write in anymore. I actually stopped writing in it when I published my book. I stopped in 2017, I believe. Uh, it was the last blog post. Um, I started writing it because I was training for my first marathon, mm-hmm. which was the Marine Corps Marathon. Oh, I love Marine Corps. I've done it five times, or I will do it again. I guess I love it. I love it. So that one and New York City Marathon, those are my favorite marathons, favorite road marathons anyway, with LA Marathon coming in a close third. Okay. I haven't done that one. I've done a Marine Corps and I did New York. I met you at New York. Oh, you probably remember it. I remember. I remember. Okay. So what was I talking about? <laughs> when you start your blog, you were friend for your first marathon in 2012, right? So I'd actually named it two years beforehand. And but didn't write anything in it. And then in 2011, uh, I think my first post was like, I finally have something to say. And I just wanted to sort of chronicle my running story, do race reports, and to write about anything that sort of came to mind as far as me being a fat athlete who did endurance stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, without it being centered on weight loss or diet mm-hmm. culture because mm-hmm. uh, I was very adamant about that as I ran more and more and as I as I like rediscovered running it very quickly veered away from you know losing weight it, it was the thing that I did and I did for pleasure and I did because it made my body feel good and made my heart feel good and my mind feel good and so that's what I wanted to focus on mm-hmm. and yeah and I just I wrote in it I didn't write in it regularly it was like anytime I had something to say that's when I would write you know I wasn't thinking about monetizing it or anything because I didn't even really know what blogging was about I all Mm -hmm. I knew was that it was a a vehicle for me to write okay share your story Mm -hmm. so yeah I did that you know every now and then for a couple you know a couple times I I I would write a post and then link it on Facebook Mm -hmm. and some people would read it some people would comment and I was you know that's cool whatever that was 2011. And then, and then in 2015, after I had moved from New Jersey down to Georgia, I wrote this one post mm-hmm. <laughs> about, because I was mad this one day. I was really, really mad. I was, you know, I was thinking about, I was carrying a lot of negative energy from people telling me, oh, <laughs> and this doesn't have anything to do with running, but you know, <laughs> you know, people would tell me, hey, you know, Mernie needs to dress better. Really? Yeah, yeah, my friends. And, you know, like they didn't do it with any sort of bad intentions. I've I've always gotten this commentary from friends. You, you need to dress better. I mean, I dress okay now. I mean, because I dress in, in sports clothes <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like that's going around in my head. My back was hurting. I was mad that I, about something else. And then I was also thinking about Oh, that same day I went to the doctor. It was a new doctor and that I had had so many sort of humiliating experiences at 
with doctors who looked at me and were like, oh, well, you obviously don't exercise. So you need to exercise. And so mm-hmm. I would say, you know, oh, I'm training for two marathons. Uh-huh, <laughs> um, yeah. They're like, but do you exercise? I'm like, does, does you that- You can't do a marathon. That's exercise. I- you got to run. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to show up. And anyway, so like, and it was just sort of this, this inability for those, for the medical profession to, to actually see you and listen to you. And so I was thinking about that. And so that, that day I went to the doctor and I said on the intake form, cause it was a new doctor for me. I was like, I, I was like, do not ask me number one to lose weight. Number two, if I ex- exercise, I was like, I exercise five to six times a week. I have run so many marathons. I have done this. In fact, today I, <laughs> I did this, you know, like, and so like, I'm on a long-term march towards health and wellness. So please actually talk to me before you give me any suggestions so, yeah. about my weight. So that was, you know, that was that. And that, that post got a lot of views. It didn't go viral, but it got a lot of views. And then it got, got to the attention of, of people in the media. So how did a doctor visit go? Doctor visit, visit went amazing. Okay. <laughs> amazing. Oh, and I, and I went because my back was hurting. What I heard from the nurse practitioner practitioner who really became an ally in my journey, my fitness, my running journey, because uh, I was already fit, my <laughs> my running journey. I heard her outside my door, uh, outside the ra- the waiting room, and she said, and she had a like a gaggle of medical students with her. This is okay. This is our patient, Myrna Valerio. Um, she is experiencing back pain, and she's a runner. So we want really want to make sure that we get her back running. Well, for me, like I'm not necessarily on a crusade uh, for fat people, but could you, if, if you could imagine how much that changed my experience at the doctors? Because yeah. did you know she cared about you and what you cared about? Yeah. And every time she would come in, if she came in with a, a some sort of person who was doing an internship, it was oh, this is Smyrna, she's a runner. You know, her hamstring is hurting, so let's you know let's let's figure out what's wrong and get her back running. <laughs> so that's, that has been the tenor of all my doctor's appointments. And so like, I like, I wrote about that stuff in my blogs, you know, again, it caught the attention of the media and that's the beginning of, <laughs> of this story right now. Season four, we will continue this segment as the doc. If you have any musculoskeletal questions, please go to my website, click on the link, leave voice message, leave your question and select questions will be answered on the segment. So were you surprised about how popular or how viral or inspirational your post was, particularly that one? I was, you know, and I, cause I wrote, I wrote it in anger. Because I was angry, I was like, I'm I'm one hundred percent sure that other people have this experience as well. Yeah. So I put it out there. You know, not expecting anything. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's time for a new blog post. Let me write about this experience I had today. I got a lot of comments on it, a lot of wow, that was a that was a great that was a great post because I've I've had the same experience. And then a couple of months later is when that was in 2014, a couple of months later in February of 2015 is when the Wall Street Journal contacted me and said, we love your blog. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> I, come again? 
And that's what started this like trajectory that has not ended. <laughs> when you were, tell me about the process of writing your book. So did you turn your blog post or your into like a memoir or was it like, what made you go from writing your blog to publishing a book? You know, so after all of the media uh, stuff that, you know, that I said that I keep saying hasn't ended because it hasn't. <laughs> uh, so I got contacted by by a couple of agents. Hey, we, you know, we read the pieces about you in Runner's World and, and this and that. And uh, we and we love your blog. It's good writing. I look at it. I'm like, eh, some of that stuff is really cringy. But <laughs> uh, I'm just going to leave it as an artifact. Yeah. Like, have you considered writing a book? I was like, well, you know, I did start grad school for writing. <laughs> I uh, and I've always, I've always been, my goal has been to write a memoir, right? I can give memoir classes and like non creative nonfiction classes. And, and I, I just love long form writing uh, in nonfiction. So yeah, but I didn't, wasn't planning on writing about running. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so like, I, I eventually went with um, my agent, Jane Distel, who I got an email from today. I'm like actively like hiding in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I'm writing another book and I'm just like way behind where I'm supposed to be. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I went with her and I crafted a proposal. You know, I think init initially the idea was to sort of to do like a how to run book or like, you know, with a little bit of my story. And I was like, I don't want to write that. I don't, I don't need to teach people how to run. Mm -hmm. I would like to fill in all the holes left by the media. Mm -hmm. Because right now my story is this 250 pound woman runs wow mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, i wanted to go beyond that and so i wanted to to actually tell my story and to utilize all my memoir writing skills the proposal was you know for this book about my life and all that went into why i'm i am a runner today how has that impacted my life my family's life etc i make it sound boring but it's not i don't have an elevator pitch <laughs> but i think it's like it's you're, like you're real and genuine and i think that's what attracts people <laughs> to you and your book and your blog you're just a real person. Yeah, you're just sharing your life. That's what it is. It was, it was sharing my life. And I really wanted to pay homage to my family, first and foremost, and then to my education. Because without either of those things, I would not be here today. I wouldn't be be doing the stuff that I get to do. And it was really cool when I, the day that I finished the book, the, the manuscript, I was surrounded by family. Mm -hmm. Before I wrote the last couple of words, I, I was in... DC for the Marine Corps Marathon. <laughs> I was staying at my cousin's house because she she always like she took care of me when I went down there. She's like, don't you dare stay in the hotel. You come, we got your room set, I got your breakfast, I'll take you there, I'll pick you up, all that stuff. And um, and so I was before I wrote my last words, so she and her son and daughter, I was like, I invited them to come and like watch me write the last couple of words in this in my manuscript. And that was, and it was just so cathartic and wonderful, you know, especially since the next day was the Marine Corps marathon. It was so mm -hmm. cool to have them be part of the process because they are a part mm -hmm. of my process and my life. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, I, that's what I wanted to express. This isn't just about running. Mm -hmm. Running is a, is a metaphor for a lot of things. It, and it, and again, it has impacted my life and my family's life in so many positive ways. I wanted to express that you know it doesn't have to be competitive it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. you know what people make it out to be mm -hmm. you know so <laughs> that's that's why I wanted to write that book 
Okay. And that's why I still get a check every month. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> not at all. So I read that you're an introvert. I'm sure you're an extroverted introvert, though. Was it hard for you to open up and share, I guess, your story with people? No. You know, I'm also, I'm a performing artist, right? And a lot of performing artists are, in fact, introverts. So when we, you know, when we're on stage, we're on, right? And it's it's us. It's maybe a more polished version of who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's us, right? You know, what energizes us is time alone. not mm-hmm. peopling, but I do that for work, right? I was a teacher. Like I do that for work. After work, I want to be in my room <laughs> or in my hotel room, staring at a corner, not talking to anybody because that's what, like, that's how I sort of gather myself. Right. So I'm definitely like when I'm out, when I'm on stage or whatever, when I'm, you know, <laughs> doing a podcast interview, you know, I'm definitely on and, and I seem like an extrovert. I, th- I have become more extroverted as mm-hmm. I have gotten older and, you know, and then the sort of the line of the lines of work <laughs> that I'm in, but I definitely, you know, if I walk into somewhere and I don't know anybody, I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, and I don't do small talk, so introverts don't like small talk. I don't either. I love people, but I like connecting with people. Genuine conversation, Mm -hmm. not just random. Not filler. Conversation. (laughs) Because I'm, like, so awkward. I'm, like, I don't know how to do small talk. Like, Like the weather is shining today. Oh, wait, that's on English. (laughs) (laughs) So... How do you deal with, I guess, some negative people who may not agree with, say, the doctors who are negative towards you or people who may read your blog or who may be negative? How do you deal with that? In the past, I would, well, I would say today too, but I don't, I don't get a lot of, a whole lot of negative commentary directed towards me these days. And I try to stay out of it because, you know, if somebody does write something negative, that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's them. That's on their own insecurity, their own. It still hurts. It's always going to hurt. It's always going to like be a little traumatic to read something negative because, you know, we're humans. We want to be liked. Right. But there's mm-hmm. some people who are dead set against not liking or loving us and just disagreeing and being stuck in whatever whatever their own reality is without realizing that people have different, different realities and, and experiences. So, but that's not my problem. <laughs> so but I, it, it took me a long time to, to get to that place. I mean, like, I've never really worried about what people thought. Cause I just, like, if I want to go learn how to ski, I'm gonna go learn how to ski. If I want to learn how to ride a bike or mountain bike, that's what I'm gonna do. You're going to have your thoughts and you go ahead and have your thoughts, but don't, don't try to hamper me from doing what I'm curious about or what I really want to do. Now, a couple of years ago, when like those articles came out, the runner's world or, or wall street journal, and people were like, Mm -hmm. well, there's no way she's, she does what she says she's doing. Or the only, the only thing that she's running for is the Dunkin' Donut or like sorts of things. Those, those, those people have very limited views of, of who people can be, what they can do. Again, not my problem. Just because mm-hmm. you have experience with a particular thing doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. True. Again, you know, I, I just keep doing what I'm going to do because I am not here for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm here for myself. 
right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to mm-hmm. have a problem with looking at me? Don't look at me. Turn around. That's, I'm sorry. That's my Brooklyn coming out. But the, I mean, it's true though. You know, it's true though. Mm-hmm. And some people are just closed mind and they, and they think they hear the word runner or, and they just think it has to be this very thin, thin person who runs a seven minute mile or, or, or whatever, who runs what marathons in, in less than three hours or whatever. And that's a runner. And, you know, and the other thing is that I've only really had positive experiences with running. Mm-hmm. Even though they may have been difficult, they have never been, you know, some people will be so demoralized in like a PE course where, or they, where they make you run and you're the last person and people start making fun of you or you get yelled at or something. Never had that experience before. You know, from that first time with my field hockey coach, always positive, always encouraging. Hey, we want everybody to be better athletes. So this is what you need to do over, over school break. Okay. So, you know, work on this, work on that. It was never this sort of denigrating of people's abilities and skills or, or lack thereof. It was always, okay, well, let's get you here. Okay. You can't run a mile today. Let's, you know, let's, let's try a quarter of a mile. And so I want to give that to people. I want to like, I want your running experience to be positive, even if it's hard, like just because it's hard doesn't mean that it has to be a negative experience. I want you to come back and want to do it again. There's so few people who have had those positive experiences that are like people like that look like me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's a shame because, you know, as both you and I know what an amazing sport this is, right? It's so incredible. It does so much good for our, our bodies our, and our spirits, but yeah. And I, and I veered off. <laughs> I remember what the original question was. <laughs> like, I just went, I did a segue <laughs> You answered my question. It's like the the negativity. Like, how do you deal with it? That's what the original question. And hopefully, you know those those people come around. But if they don't, I cannot worry about them. No, you're going to do you. Mm-hmm. So, where did you get this adventurous spirit? So you not only run <laughs> mountain bike, which could be dangerous, gravel, and you ski. And I I love to ski. That was like the first. My, that's my first love. I've been skiing since '98. I've been running for like ten years. Mm. I love. And I see, I, I see you on Instagram. I'm like, oh, she's getting better. I like, no, she's <laughs> I love to ski. I ski. I'm going skiing next weekend, actually. But like, that's my favorite thing to do. You should come skiing with us. The National Brotherhood of Skiers. Our summit is in um, Snowmass, February the fifth through the twelfth. Should come ski. With Where us. am I going to be February fifth? Yeah, I just, I just made contact with uh, the director of the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Yes, because he is a board member at a school that I'm going to speak at in April. A board member, and we connected as board members. <laughs> I know, maybe, maybe. Wow, it's the adventure spirit has, you know, has always been in me. Again, I told you, you know, we, we basically lived outside during the summers and we just, uh, our parents just trusted us to go outside and take care of each other. And that's mm-hmm. what we did. Although there was one time when my cousin fell off the swing and okay. <laughs> anyway, you don't tell anybody. You don't tell anybody. Anyway, so um, <laughs> and, yeah, and I've always, you know, again, wanted to be outside and and try different things. You know, I told you when I was, I wanted to play a sport and didn't really, I didn't know anything about field hockey, but it looked interesting. So I, I was like, okay, because I just have this like curiosity that I have to quell. And then also, like when I was eight, my mother and stepfather sent me to sleepaway camp. I was so excited. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I, you know, I actually 
talk about that experience uh, when I'm talking about the science of awe and wonder uh, and, and how being outside and experiencing awe and wonder connects communities to each other. Yeah, so I've had all of these incredible experiences. And so I want to replicate that. So I look for places to go and things to do that replicate those incredible experiences that I had as a child. Mm-hmm. And just discovering new things. And, uh, you know, then I, then I went on camping trips with my public school and it was in the Adirondack Mountains. And it was so cool to see our teachers, you know, outside of school <laughs> and hiking with us and making us dinner. And we slept in tents. No, we didn't sleep in tents. We slept in lean-tos and, you know, experienced, you know, being afraid of bears <laughs> because it was a real thing. And so that was cool. So I always, I always seek that when I when I do things like, and so, and it's a, one of the reasons why I said yes to um, Jen Gorecki, who is the CEO of Coalition Snow, said, Hey, do you, you want a pair of my skis? And I was like, Yeah, I don't ski yet. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's always been the way that I do things. Like, I'm, I can be rather impulsive when it comes to outdoor things. I mean, I am. I love it. I love it. Hey. (laughs) Part of my podcast is to feature guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you've had to overcome, whether it be running or another adventure, life, relationships, or anything? Oh, man. Obstacles, obstacles. You know, I would say like the most recent obstacle has been just healing from injury. Because when the when something becomes a part of your identity and you mm-hmm. lose it, it's it is a blow. It is a yes. blow. I can relate. I have never experienced the amount of anxiety, you know, because it it was you know it's my job. Mm-hmm. I have sponsorships. I've got you know partnerships with various companies that that are all dependent on whether or not I go to races and and run and show that I'm running. And so Mm -hmm. I was, you know, and then I was just in pain all the time. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't train. But I couldn't train running wise. And so I have a coach. He's out in Idaho. His name is Mike. So of course, I was in communication with him all the time. And he goes, you know, Myrna, you know, Myrna, I was like, okay, he's, he's about to drop some wisdom because he's like Mr. Wise, right? He goes, you know, Marta, the obstacle is the way. The obstacle is the way. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay, okay. He's like, that's a Ryan Holiday book. <laughs> so uh, go read that. I was like, I didn't, okay. read it. I didn't read it, but like, you know, I read some excerpts of it. And so I, I kind of let that sit in my head because I was having so many, I was so angry at my body mm-hmm. at the situation. And then, you know, of course we were in COVID and I couldn't like enjoy, fully enjoy being outside, which is like one of the only safe places to be. I so was like, what am I going to do? And I did all my PT. I did, you know, I did all my mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do. You can see that I have a treadmill. I mean, I got, I got everything up here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was doing the walking and every, everything, but I still wasn't able to do what I do wanted to do yeah you even feel like your usual self so he goes the obstacle is the way and then he wrote it again to me in a text and he was like go get a bike and i get a bike i don't like i don't like cyclists <laughs> like, like, 
And I'm like, you know, and I whine, you know, I whine a lot about everything. And I was like, fine. And so I actually happened to live across the parking lot from a bike shop. Oh, really? Nice. And so he's like, go, go get yourself a bike. And so I walk across the parking lot. I'm like, I need a bike. I don't know what you want, but I need something that I can train on until my knee heals. They're like, okay. So they hook me up with a bike. Okay. What kind of bike did they give you? It was a salsa cycles bike. And I was like, what is this? I didn't even, I didn't, I've never heard of this bike company before. <laughs> you know, I was like, I asked for a specialized. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're like, um, just take the salsa. I was like, okay, how much is it? They're like, don't just, we know where you live <laughs> for a couple of weeks. See how you like it. I wrote it. And I had to like relearn how to like do gears and all. no, not relearn, learn how to use gears and stuff like that. And I was like, this is fancy. So like I'm, I I wrote it. I hired, I hired a coach because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that I'm doing it the right way and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> and so but after a couple of weeks, I was like, okay, fine. I like it. <laughs> fine. It's not running, but I'll take it. And then I gradually regained my spirit, my sort of endurance athlete spirit. Mm -hmm. and, and it was because of this injury. If I had not had the injury, I wouldn't have the coach that I have, my, my, my cycling coach that I love so much. That is, you know, and he's become a part of my life and he you know, lives locally. So we, we hang out, we, we ride together. Yeah, I wouldn't have a whole other community of people that I can lean on and, 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 you know, just kind of be in community with. I finally understood. It took me about seven months into riding uh, a bike that the obstacle is the way. It's a way to somewhere else. It's a path to somewhere different. Yeah. And so that, that's, how I, that's how I got through that obstacle. And now I'm ready. Like I'm ready to, to finally resume running. Uh, I feel good. My body feels great. My spirit is is right. I had surgery December last year, so I can relate. Mm -hmm. This this and I figure out, and I had surgery on my other knee before, and it was quicker. And this takes forever. It's like mm -hmm. I start running, and it's like something happens, and I like have to stop. And the mm. so I'm just like I just enjoy the swimming and um biking. I do triathlon, so I can pick one of the three. You're a triathlete. Okay. I was complaining about triathletes. I'm like, why? Instagram. I was like, y'all are really aggressive. So don't at me. Because every time, like, if I put up a picture of me swimming, oh, so are you going to do a tri? Are you going to do triathlon? Are you going to do triathlon? Are you going to do triathlon? There's Jersey Girl triathlon. <laughs> I'm like, like, slow your roll. Like, <laughs> I can't. I'm sure, you could do a one, a fun I one. I mean, I, I would, you know, maybe. And then, and I love swimming. Like I love, love, I love swimming. Swim bike. Oh, here we go with the triathletes. What <laughs> kept me from doing them? I couldn't swim. I had to learn how to swim. But you already know. And that was that's the scariest part. Every race. Yeah, that, I mean, it doesn't scare me. Like I, I mean, I, I love all three sports. It's a lot of training. <laughs> if a an adult Marina could go back and talk to a young your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? I would tell the, was it ninth grader or 10th grade Myrna? Either one. I, <laughs> I wrote a lot and then I stopped suddenly. Okay. And, and I stopped because one of my peers um, said something about my writing, said something negative about it. 
And it just like, and I, then I felt bad about it because this one girl had said something and it wasn't particularly hurtful. I mean, like looking back at it, cause she, she was like, oh, well that, that can't happen. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a fiction and I was writing about uh, someone with throat cancer. I was like, in like ninth grade. <laughs> and she's like, well, that can't happen. That like that, this little scene just like wouldn't, would, it's not real. It wouldn't ever happen. And so th- because of that, that just like threw me off and I stopped writing until I got to grad school. I mean, like writing in the ways that I wanted to write, <laughs> I would tell myself to keep writing. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I was, I was good and you know, I was, I was fine in all in the other aspects of my life, you know, I was pretty confident, but the writing, because this little girl, <laughs> I just roll my eyes, y'all. Um, <laughs> like that's, you know, that's not good because it would never happen. That's that, you know, keep writing. I think it's, I don't know. I like writing and actually it's something cathartic about it. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing art that more people should do. Any last minute words of advice for my listeners? Actually, let me ask you about because most people probably don't know that you're a singer. Yeah. I mean, like my family is very musical. And uh, my brother, my, I'm the oldest and the best of um, <laughs> all my, my siblings. And uh, my brother, who's closest in age to me, is a producer. He, and he like creates and sells beats and stuff. He's out in Arizona. And my sister's a really good singer. My mom's a really good singer. Uh, and my other brother, he is a very good singer, but he, doesn't, he wouldn't call himself a singer. We're all very musical. I was the one that just decided to go to a conservatory of music for college, well, for one of my colleges. But before then, in high school, I sang an audition to get into Glee Club. Cool. <laughs> and then in ninth grade, it was it was the same day as this field hockey tryout. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot that day. It was a very heavy day for me, <laughs> but it was a life-changing day. And the, the music teacher goes, hmm, try this. <laughs> so she plays a little ditty on the piano and like, I replicate it. Okay, hmm. hmm, sing this. You know, she takes me through scales and stuff like that. And I'm like, and I'm not really thinking anything of it. I'm like, I think I'm not thinking I'm in trouble, actually. I'm like, I think I do something wrong. I mean, like, I know I can sing, but like, you know, what's she doing? And then she goes, and then she stops. She's like, I have never heard a voice like this. Hmm. And I'm like, what? Um, wow. She's like, wow. Um, do do have have you ever taken voice lessons? I'm like, no, my family can't afford that. She's like, well, do you want to take voice lessons? I'm like, no, my family can't afford that because I was, you know, I was a scholarship student. And she's like, um, no, no, you, I'm not. Look, I'll give them to you for free. Okay. <laughs> and that was that. And I became a classical musician in ninth grade. And then a year into that. She said, hey, I, I'm going to need you to apply and audition for this program at Juilliard, Juilliard Pre-College in New York City, Juilliard being the premier music school in the mm-hmm. world. And I'm like, I didn't really know anything about Juilliard. All I knew was that it was in Lincoln Center. I was like, oh, okay, sure, I'll go. All right. I didn't really know it was like what it was. It's a big deal. I was like, <laughs> and I auditioned with the songs that she had prepared me with. Um, and they're like, Okay. And they had me come back the next week for another audition. I'm like, okay. And they're like, oh, okay, great. And I got in and then I was in Juilliard pre-college. So like, in addition to being like a huge, I was like very big fish in a small pond. 
<laughs> in my high school. And then, um, and then I also, which had an excellent music curriculum and, and program that I actually eventually went to go teach because I, when I became a teacher. And then I went in a, on the weekends and some days during the week, I went to Juilliard and had Juilliard training. And then I went to Oberlin Conservatory of Music for um, undergrad and continue my training. And then, you know, after a couple of years going back home to New York and like auditioning and stuff, like I didn't, I wasn't really into the business aspect of it. I didn't, mm -hmm. and doing auditions could like, again, was very disheartening. I was like, you know, I don't need to do this. I wasn't, I was working in corporate America, making money. So I was like, I'm going to make music when I want to. I don't need to be famous from, you know, being an opera singer. I did a couple, I did a Met chorus op, uh, audition. I did a couple of other auditions. You know, I, I, you know, got to the national level of a competition and, and so like things were going well in that respect, but I didn't, it took a lot of energy. So I'm like, I'm going to focus on working and making money. Uh, I still took lessons. I, you know, I did some opera programs and stuff to feed the creative part of me. And I took a, a very long time <laughs> off, like about 15 years <laughs> before I started studying again. So I'm, I'm studying again. I have a teacher who lives out in California. Okay. And, 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 you know, I don't, I don't really like, I don't plan on making it any, any, like a part of my, my business as, as part of what I do, but it does feed my soul creatively. Oh, good. Okay. So any last minute words of advice for my list, whether it be running or otherwise? Life is short. Life is so short as we have experienced in the last two years, over two years now. And counting. Yeah. You know, and counting. Exactly. Yes. You know, we never know when we're going to go. So like, and I said this in my Instagram story the other day, I'm like, we, we don't want to leave the earth with a bunch of shoulda, coulda, wouldas. We don't want to do that. Do what you need to do for yourself. Is there something that you are interested in? It, interested in something that you're curious about? Something that you've always wanted to do? The time is now. Mm -hmm. There is there is no other time. There's no better time to do those things than now. If you can't quite do it now, maybe it's a financial reason. Make a plan and then do it. You know, put it out into the universe. Because when you do that, you know, it, it sounds like very woo, but when you actually verbalize something, when you, when you state something out loud, you write it out loud, it becomes a reality for you. And then you make all of these sort of subconscious, unconscious decisions to propel you towards that goal. So yeah, you can start changing your life by saying something out, stating it out loud. What do you want to do with your life? What kinds of things do you want to experience? Where do you want to go? What kind of people do not serve you in your current life? If, if there's a situation that is not serving you, if there's a job that is not serving you, I know it's like really easy to say that because uh, I know there it's, it's hard to find a job or a career that you can be truly happy in. But you can make steps. You can change things, little, little things in your life to make sure that you are feeding yourself and feeding your soul. I concur. So where can people find you? I'm everywhere. Literally <laughs> <laughs> and figuratively. Um, I am uh, mostly on Instagram at The Mernovator. I'm on Twitter at The Mernovator. I am on Facebook. If you still do that, I know it's like for the old people, uh, but I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so I have three different Facebook accounts. I have uh, my my personal account. I have my um, and I have two sort of fan pages: Myrna Valerio Dash the Motivator, and then Fat Girl Running, which is the original name of my blog. You know, so slightly different content for each audience, but um, I have a book called A Beautiful Work in Progress. 
I'm working on another one, which is fiction, and I'm not a fiction writer, so it's really hard. Cool. I can't wait to hear about it. Mm. It's it's about a black lady in the woods. Okay, so you know, and you know, if you Google me, there's lots of stuff, and you know, as you know, as you said, there's a a Wikipedia page that I have not seen yet or opened because I'm afraid of any inaccuracies. which I'm sure there are a lot. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email therapy OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's therapy Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life. We love OUI life, OUI love. Thank you and please tune in again.